The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. This week, from our quarantined isolation, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, the day that was supposed to start us on the path to saving the environment. I celebrated the first Earth Day, April 22, 1970, in Philadelphia, with an enormous crowd of other enthusiastic young people. We were truly electrified by the notion that we could save the world. It so inspired me and my young family that we decided to blow up the TV, throw away the paper, go to the country, build us a home, plant a little garden, eat a lot of peaches, try and find Jesus on our own, to quote the late John Prine's great song. We moved from Philadelphia to Maine, restored a hundred-year-old abandoned haunted farmhouse, planted a garden, raised goats and chickens, planted the trees and ate a lot of peaches, and found a bit of Jesus more or less on our own. So, looking back, how did our hippie generation do? Well, it's clear 50 years later that for the most part, we failed. The list of our failures is so long as to, as all our arms joined together as we held hands in circles that day in Philadelphia. Global warming from carbon and methane, rainforests and flames, the oceans dying as whales, cod, and coral reefs succumb to the petrochemicals, nuclear, and plastic waste we have dumped on them. GMO crops are killing the insects, notably bees and monarch butterflies, but also the insects that once were food for frogs and birds. Over those 50 years gone by, other numbers became apparent. As the human population doubled from 4 billion to 8 billion, we can count roughly a 50% reduction in wildlife, insects, fish, and birds. 50 years, 50% and growing until today. And what's different today? Why nature is striking back in the form of a coronavirus we can't control and still don't understand. Whether it came from a Wuhan virus lab or from eating exotic bats, COVID-19 is bringing us and our economy to our knees. Today it's killing tens of thousands of us, just like some medieval plague except for the refrigerator trucks to hold the bodies. In New York City, our culture's high point of culture and art, uh, they are digging mass graves to bury the dead. Even my hero, John Prine, has fallen to COVID-19. The other day, my sister sent me a poem by Kristen Flins, uh, who, which she found in a Spirit of Change magazine. It's titled, A Letter from COVID-19 to Humans. And it has now gone viral on the internet, appropriately enough, for a poem about a virus. So let me read it to you. Titled, a Letter from COVID-19 to Humans, by Kristen Flintz. Stop. Just stop. It is no longer a request. It is a mandate. We will help you. We will bring the supersonic high-speed merry-go-round to a halt. We will stop the planes. The trains, the schools, the malls, the meetings, the frenetic frenzied rush of illusions and obligations 
that keep you from hearing our single and shared beating heart, the way we breathe together in unison. Our obligation is to each other, as it has always been, even if, even though you have forgotten. We will interrupt this broadcast, the endless cacophonous broadcast of divisions and distractions, to bring you this long-breaking news. We are not well, none of us. All of us are suffering. Last year, the firestorms that scorched the lungs of the earth did not give you pause, nor the typhoons in Africa, China, Japan, nor the fevered climates in Japan and India. You have not been listening. It is hard to listen when you are so busy all the time, hustling to uphold the comforts and conveniences that scaffold your lives. But the foundation is giving way buckling under the weight of your needs and desires. We will help you. We will bring the firestorms to your body. We will bring the fever to your body. We will bring the burning, searing, and flooding to your lungs that you might hear. We are not well. Despite what you may think or feel, we are not the enemy. We are messenger, we are ally, we are balancing force. We are asking you to stop, to be still, to listen, to move beyond your individual concerns and consider the concerns of all, to be with your ignorance, to find your humility, to relinquish your thinking minds and travel deep into the mind of the heart, to look up into the sky streaked with fewer planes and see it, to notice its condition, clear, smoky. Smoggy, rainy, how much do you need it to be healthy so that you may also be healthy? To look at a tree and see it, to notice its condition, how does its health contribute to the health of the sky, to the air you need to be healthy? To visit a river and see it, to notice its condition, clear, clean, mercury, mercury, polluted, how much do you need it to be healthy so that you may also be healthy? How does its health contribute to the health of the tree who contributes to the health of the sky so that you may also be healthy? Many are afraid now. Do not demonize your fear and also do not let it rule you. Instead, let it speak to you in your stillness. Listen for its wisdom. What might it be telling you about what is at work, at issue, at risk, beyond the threats of personal inconvenience and illness? As the health of a tree, a river, the sky, tells you about quality of your own health, what might the quality of your health tell you about the health of the rivers, the trees, the sky, and all of us who share this planet with you? Stop. Notice if you are resisting Notice what you are resisting. Ask why. Stop. Just stop. Be still. Listen. Ask us what we might teach you about illness and healing, about what might be required so that all may be well. We will help you if you listen. By Kristen Flintz. Now, it may seem merely artful to write a message to us from a virus, but get this. It may be a virus that stimulated our consciousness in the first place. A 
According to a February 18, 2018 article in Live Science titled, An Ancient Virus May Be Responsible for Human Consciousness, um, the uh, author of the article, Rafi Letzter, writes, You've got an ancient virus in your brain. In fact, you've got an ancient virus at the very root of your conscious thought. According to two papers published in the journal Cell in January 2018, long ago a virus bound its genetic code to the genome of four-limbed animals. That snippet of code is still very much alive in humans' brains today, where it does the very viral task of packaging up genetic information and sending it from nerve cells to their neighbors in little capsules that look a whole lot like viruses themselves. And these little packages of information might be crucial elements of how nerves communicate and recognize over time tasks thought to be necessary for higher-order thinking, the researchers said. Though it may sound surprising that bits of human genetic code come from viruses, it's actually more common than you might think. A review published in Cell in 2016 found that between 40 and 80% of the human genome arrived from some archaic viral invasion. That's because viruses aren't just critters that try to make a home in your body, the way bacteria do. Instead, as live science has previously reported, a virus is a genetic parasite. It injects its genetic code into its host cells and hijacks them, turning them to its own purposes. In other words, COVID-19 may have emerged not by chance, but for a conscious reason. Perhaps it's trying to tell the virus-based part of our intelligence that, like Flynn's poem, it's time for us humans to stop destroying our world's environment. Along similar lines, we have to consider James Lovelock's Gaia hypothesis. Gaia is the name of the Greek mother goddess that is Earth personified. About the time I uh, was moving to Maine, Lovelock was writing his book about the Gaia hypothesis, claiming the Earth itself takes a hand in regulating key components, such as temperature, ocean salinity, and oxygen levels in the atmosphere. The hypothesis proposes that living organisms and inorganic material are part of a dynamic system that shapes the Earth's biosphere and maintains the Earth as a fit environment for life. In some Gaia theory approaches, the Earth itself is viewed as an organism with self-regulatory functions. In that way, at least for now, COVID-19 seems to be working. By forcing us all to go home, the atmosphere is even in even heavily polluted places like New Delhi and Beijing and Los Angeles is suddenly remarkably clearing. In Venice, the canal water is clearing. And fish are beginning to thrive there once again. Because factories have shut and drivers aren't driving, COVID-19 has in a few weeks stopped us polluters dead in our tracks. COVID-19 said, I'm killing you because you're killing the world. Stop. Stop it right now or we will all die. Now when we get to the science-based notion that Gaia Earth is a conscious being, just like the ancient Greeks believed, then we're getting to an area where the observations of near-death experiencers and enlightened environmentalists can agree that consciousness is infused throughout the creation. We've known for years about the consciousness of plants, how they can sense danger, appreciate classical music, and communicate with one another. 
Recently, it was discovered that some plants even have retina-like cells and can therefore see to the degree that they can tell the color of the shirt you're wearing. We have interviewed animal communicators on this show in the past, and a future show will cover the intelligence of bees. But even some inert materials like certain stones and metals offer properties suggesting consciousness of a sort. One NDEer I interviewed described when he was out of his body and happened to be walking through an old wooden desk, how the consciousness of the desk spoke out to him. For that matter, our own construction as humans is heavily dependent on the huge number of bacteria that live inside us. How much of our consciousness is dependent on the cooperative conscious nature of those critters inside? A clue to all this comes, I think, from the third heaven, Garden of Eden-like descriptions we get from many near-death experiencers. I was in the most beautiful field, they will say, and the flowers there were luminous and unspeakably beautiful. But when I picked one, it began to fade, so I, I put it back on the ground and it burst into full color and full gratitude again. Those who have tried LSD in a garden setting will tell you similar stories. It's as if they have just seen a flower for the first time in their lives. Sadly, we destroy, destroy far more than we appreciate about the beauty of Gaia. The sanctity of national parks has been given over to fracking more oil, and now we're being forced to face the consequences. Plague is not the only weapon in Gaia's arsenal. Rising oceans, contaminated water tables, depleted soil, drought, and the resulting fires, earthquakes from fracking, these and more are already happening. But other things lie in wait. Methane gas, now graciously stored away in the oceans and soil, courtesy of Gaia, will predictably erupt if the globe warms much further. That is about as deadly a poison as we could face if Gaia decides it's time for the human race to leave. Ten years ago, on the 40th anniversary of Earth Day, Dr. Doggerel wrote about how our exploitation has made a mockery of Earth Day goals. Sadly, the ten years since then have not improved the situation. So, and I may have read this on an earlier show, but I'm going to read your titled This Year We Rejoiced About Earth Day. Hooray? In question. This year we rejoiced about Earth Day. Hooray? By exploding an oil rig, polluting Gulf Bay where half of our seafood used to come from. But don't let that phase you. Don't look so glum since we've lots more to share in this 40th year since Earth Day was founded. Again, give a cheer. In Dallas, their landfill burns out of control. In West Virginia, thank Massey, miners dead in a hole. So power plants in Ohio can pour out their pollution, corrupting the air as their carbon solution. Violent storms now sustain CNN's evening news. Violent storms caused by warming. Or have I confused global warming with HARP and ionosphere fears? Our government and Russia have played havoc for years by shooting beams of weird energy into the sky to manipulate weather, another weapon to try, causing drought and starvation, more poor people to die. Meanwhile, Garbage Island, 
a wasteland big as Texas grows bigger each day. Plastic crap that infects us, the Pacific Ocean congealing, the garbage we dump, we'll soon call plastic ocean. The coral will stump and whales trapped by garbage until Japanese reduce whale meat to sushi, voting stomachs to please, till whales like the tuna are at last disappeared and Greenpeace's hopes become black water queered by corporate greed and our personal waste till we spray nature blind with industrial mace. And how about those rainforests cut to grow GM soys? We cut Mother Earth's lungs so Monsanto enjoys another great quarter pushing pesticide foods while nature's diversity is systematically screwed. Armageddon called Roundup, a new name for the end. No hope fighting Satan since Monsanto's his friend. The fish swim in protest up D.C.'s Potomac. Most do not make it, while the rest, carcinomic, have genes twisted, distorted by the poisonous waste. These fish are our warning. We're next in this case. We talk about saving what's left of our nation for the children, but they're all gone on vacation into virtual worlds of the computer world's making. They've seen the destruction, and they're already vacating real walks in the woods for the film Avatar. Virtual nature wrapped up in a virtual jar of flat screen and 3D and wireless mouse. Nature's already poisoned, so why leave the house to be confronted by weird frogs and diseases like Lyme? When we can build our own matrix, leave the real world behind, feed our flab and our flatulence on high fructose carbs, and spare our weak bodies from nature's cruel barbs. Why celebrate Earth Day when we have forgot what's real and what's virtual, what's real and what's not? Is, what, is what's real just the feeling we get when we haul our ass in our minivan down to the mall? Is what's real the Internet's new way of now getting all the stuff we can download without moving or fretting or feeling some sun between the house and the car? As we drive through suburbia, are we really so far from the river, the farmland, the national park, the ocean, the campground, the stars after dark? Not in miles necessarily, but miles in our minds. As we race home from work to plant our behinds in a chair with our keyboards and internet buddies, pop a beer, light a joint, whatever else muddies our senses, our sense of what Earth Day is about till everything crashes and earth snuffs us all out. Dr. Doggerel, 10 years ago today, or this week, rather. But wait a minute. If all matter is conscious and our bodies are made up, not inherited DNA and RNA, but also occupied by billions of bacteria as well, then aren't our physical bodies as much a part of Gaia as everything else on Earth? And if that's the case, then why aren't we motivated to curb our actions in favor of a sustainable Earth? Why can't we make peace with our environment? Shouldn't that happen organically, incorporated into us as a matter of evolution? Well, as an example, consider for a moment the cat virus that infects mice to make them less fearful of cats. In an article titled, Mind Control Parasite Kills Mice's Fear of Cats Permanently, 
which appeared in the September 19, 2013 Live Science. The author Douglas Maine reported, A fair amount of research has taken place on Toxoplasma gondii, the bizarre parasite that makes mice unafraid of cats. And the latest chapter is a strange one. A new study shows that even a brief infection with a weakened form of the protozoan caused mice to permanently lose their innate fear of cats. The protozoan is known to cause this change in mice after a lingering infection and after it produces cysts in the mouse brain, according to the study published online September 18th in the journal Bloss 1. But until now, scientists didn't know this apparently long-lasting change could occur after only a short infection and without development of cysts and brain inflammation. The study also showed the change occurred with weakened forms of all three major variants of the protozoa found in North America. It is remarkable that even after the infection has been largely or completely cleared, a profound behavioral change persists, said Wendy Ingram, a study author and research and researcher at the University of California, Berkeley, in a statement from PLOS One. Simply having a transient infection resulting in what is potentially a permanent change in host biology may have huge implications for infectious disease medicine. That's the end of the article. So, if a virus can make mice unafraid of cats... Why can't a virus sent by Gaia make us less harmful to the Earth? Why aren't we, by nature, more integral to the material world we live in? Why hasn't a virus by now changed our behavior to be more user-friendly to Gaia, for our own benefit, as well as everybody else's? Well, I have a theory. <laughs> Sounding a little like Elizabeth Warren, I have a plan. I have a theory. We have fought falling in love with the earth because we are divided in our natures. Though it was by our own choice, mind you, we resent the way we are separated from the light we came from. There is an ego drive in our soul nature that compels us to leave, that compelled us to leave heaven in the first place and to break with the light and go out on our own like the little creator gods we fancy ourselves to be. But in our hearts, we know by succumbing to our egos, we are fooling ourselves. I'm saying we know that in our hearts, and yet we go on with it. No doubt you remember the story of the angel Lucifer, who broke from the Creator to become his own petty god. Well, it seems to me we have a streak of that impulse in ourselves as well. We are not so much born to this world as occupying it. It's as if we are an invading horde of spiritual beings who have taken over a species of Homo sapiens, a species of animal life. We've helped develop it to its present capacity and improve its uh, impulse toward greed and environmental destruction. We've proceeded to dominate the planet, planet Gaia, the planet Earth. We have spirits who have chosen to be materialists but we are handling the materials in a way that may lead to our material destruction. In other words, we are the aliens living on this planet, 
And by ignoring what Star Trek called the prime directive, or what doctors mean when they take an oath to do no harm, we became a virus alien to the health of our host planet. We became a bad guest. And like guests who stay too long, we have to be removed. Either that or we must stop this exploitation and become real family members to the other critters on this planet. Can we do it? Why can't we do it? It's in our best interest to do it. Well, one problem is we don't altogether fit in. We share in the consciousness of all creation, but we know that our real home is not here, but is more within the light that made us. And this is, of course, if you believe in reincarnation, reinforced every time we go back, we relearn the truth, then forget the truth to be born into the world again. And our egos still rule us as long as we do that, as long as we reincarnate to come back to Earth. Our egos still rule us, and on Earth we get away with it. Or rather, we have gotten away with it till now. Now, by our own hand, we are triggering Gaia's defense mechanisms. Our physical bodies face destruction by fire, flood, air pollution, radiation, plague, to name a few. Earthquakes from uh, fracking are a new addition to that list. We feel the hostility of our surroundings, of Gaia beginning to fight back. And we talk about restoring the planet Mars and moving there. But I think, I suspect, what we're doing to Earth today, our ancestors did in the, pre in the prehistory that we have lost track of. In prehistory, I think we destroyed Mars already, leaving it a poisoned wasteland that can't be renewed. And because of that, we chose instead to move to Earth and start our destruction all over again. There may still be time to change our minds and become more user-friendly of this planet. I think that's what COVID-19 is telling us loud and clear. But if we don't stop our overpopulation, which is a key component to this, and maybe Gaia's uh, reason for killing us in, in the thousands we're seeing right now, our global warming and environmental degradation, if we don't stop that as well, we will rejoin the light. But we're going to be going back with mud on our faces and no angel wings, I'm afraid. I think we will have flunked whatever test this was meant to be. And there will be, no doubt, some consequences to our action and our inaction here. Gaia Earth, I believe, was not just a game for us to lose after all. Well, on that happy note, I wish you all well. Uh, Stay in, ha, indoors as much as you can. Avoid uh, contact with other people. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Uh, take vitamin C, something that I know is, uh, has been helpful to me and to many others. In fact, in China, they were using uh, shots of vitamin C. We hear 
rumors that they've been using it also in New York hospitals, but no one's talking about it. But heavy doses of oral vitamin C will help strengthen your immune system as it has against all bacteria and viruses for forever, back to the days when the British sailors took lime on board their ships so that they wouldn't get scurvy. That's vitamin C, and it's very good for you under any circumstances. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet taken advantage of our new apps for NDE Radio, go to the Apple Store or Google Play and download the free IONS NDE Radio app to your iPhone, tablet, or computer. It should give you access to uh, all our past shows. And tune in again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying, be well, and once again, thanks for listening.